the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into the second hour, 6025080960. Feel free to give us a call. You hear me uh, talking about the crisis industrial complex and how we jump from lily pad to lily pad of story, how quickly things get buried and pushed aside. Are you amazed at how little today there is on the crisis at the border? Yesterday it was saturating news. Today, it's Nowheresville, making no headlines. Uh, I tried to talk about it some in my first hour, if you missed it, in my monologue. And um, the two reasons that uh, the Democrats uh, want the border to be open, if you missed it, you can always get it at 960thepatriot.com. I do want to talk about a couple of scandals, and I want to talk about the debate tomorrow night. Is it me, young David, Mr. Bill, others, you in the audience? Feel free to call in and weigh in on this. Is it me, or does there seem to be a serious lack of interest in the debate tomorrow night? Usually we kind of look at these things the way I think most football fans look to the Super Bowl, don't we? Isn't there always a lot of excitement, a lot of chatter? Is it, is, 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 is it kind of Dullesville right now? Do you, David, do you have that sense? Or am I missing something? No, I, I concur with you. I, I think uh, there is not a lot of hype about yeah. these debates. I think that might be because of the missing player. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, I have some hopes. I don't know that I'll be able to catch it live, but I have some hopes because in 2016, if I recall correctly, the debates at the Reagan Library were the ones where uh, Donald Trump, candidate Trump at the time, really went swinging at yeah. Governor Bush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, well, Jive, I'm at 13, and you're over there at 6. Remember those comments? Yeah, yeah, it was also Lindsey Graham's finest line in politics ever. He said, this is the longest time I've ever spent in a library. <laughs> that, was, that was a decent line of his. Yeah, I um, think the, the debates at the Reagan Library in 2016 were uh, momentous. Do you want to tell people what you're doing in your spare time these days? What am I doing? Aren't what you kind of helping to... someone with their house and pets and stuff? <laughs> You, you want to, me to announce this need, on air? Well, well you need everybody. to go out with gypsies in the palace, I think, don't you? I am house-sitting for someone right now, and I cannot give out that information no, of course, because but I the have dogs to and the, the whole thing. You need to go out with gypsies in the palace. There's a song by Jimmy Buffett. I heard a request for Steve Miller Band. Well, we have that in the our audience. I, I'd go out with gypsies. From the do greater it. office audience. You're going to do whatever you want anyway. Yes, I don't gypsies know why. in the palace. We'll find it. I don't it. even know why I try. We'll You're consult do you the tapes, yes. Um, the sca- yeah, no, it's interesting. I think you're right. Primarily, the, the, the reason for the lack of interest is probably because of the dog that isn't barking, to quote Sherlock Holmes, meaning no disrespect, the man who isn't there, the candidate who isn't there, Donald Trump. There would probably be a lot more interest in it. But you would think, if it's true, and I think the Washington Post poll yesterday proved, or at least proved for the moment, it's not as true as a lot of people have said— but if it's true that um, people are wringing their hands that it not be Donald Trump as the nominee, again, I think that's overstated given the polling at the Washington Post and ABC. 
But to the degree that's true, you would think there would be a lot of interest and a lot of excitement and a lot of advice and a lot of chatter and expectation about, you know, what does DeSantis need to do? Will Chris Christie prove himself something? You know, by the way, um, our friend Jeff Anderson, we have him on from time to time. He's over at City Journal. He commissioned a poll through his think tank of the Republican most not wanted. How can I put that better? Who is the Republican least wanted by the Republican Party to run for president to get the nomination? It's Chris Christie. That's kind of interesting. More so than any of the others, Chris Christie is the least wanted. Which is interesting, particularly when you see that he's he's kind of in the at the top. You know, he's kind of at the second in the in the second tier. He's in second place in the second tier right now. A lot of that's probably name recognition and debate performance. Nikki Haley is right there as well. That's for sure, debate performance. You know, she probably, she and Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis probably have the biggest burdens going into tomorrow night. Um, the reason Nikki Haley does is she has to prove that she just didn't have that debate performance in her one time, one night, right? Everyone by everyone, everyone assesses whether you like her or not, whether you like her policies or not. She had a great debate performance and distinguished herself and kept kept herself in the race. Can she replicate it? Can she do it again? Is she as quick in her feet on a regular basis as she was that night? Um, The other one, obviously, who has a lot riding on himself is Ron DeSantis. I mean, the man who really hasn't been spoken about very much used to be spoken about a lot, not a lot spoken about. And that's what's weird about the committing to the we didn't spend a lot of time on this yesterday, but the committing to the debate with uh, with uh, with Newsom, with Governor with Governor Newsom um, of California that Fox is going to be hosting, I guess, at the end of November, Gavin Newsom. Right. That's an odd thing to do. It tells me, though, that Gavin Newsom is whatever he says about not wanting to run for the presidency in this cycle is not true. Whatever he says is not true. He wants to. The White House is really upset that he's doing this debate with Ron DeSantis. You know why? It's not just that who is he to be to be debating, you know, a presidential candidate. It's not just that. It's not really just that. For I would gather that if it were the governor of New Jersey, they wouldn't care. It's that he will look so good by comparison. That's what it is. He will look so good by comparison, Gavin Newsom, to, by comparison to Joe Biden. He will look, he will be the, he will be, he will be what Ronald Reagan kind of did at the Panama Canal debate. People were saying, well, yeah, I've seen him. It's been a while. I don't know. And then he showed everyone what true grit, what true will, if you want. He showed them what he could still do as he did at that New Hampshire debate that David likes to bring up from time to time, as he did throughout the 1980 campaign. But that's what the Biden White House is so upset about and the Biden political operation. It's not that there's a governor who's deigned to debate Ron DeSantis. It's not just that. It's that it's one who's very good-looking and articulate, as they, as, as you know, by, by acclamation. He, he's going to show up Joe Biden... So much so that there will be a demand. And sometimes demand does create its own supply, doesn't it? There will be a demand for Gavin Newsom. I heard speculation the other day. People like to play this game with speculation about Michelle Obama. 
I, I just don't see it. I got to tell you, I just don't see it. Every time the Obamas are brought up, it's it's kind of flat these days. It's just they it's it's just kind of flat. And she does not like the heat. She does not like criticism. She likes writing airy nothingness. She doesn't like the the, poli- the, the, the political give, give and take. She she just doesn't. And I just I, I I just you know there was a time when the Republican Party for a long time. In almost, I think, yes, every election for like 20 years had a Bush or a Dole on the ticket. It really did. It had a Bush or a Dole on the ticket. For I know like this statistic. Years. What is it? Am I, I'm close From to 1952 right. huh? to 2004 yeah. would be the last Bush. Yeah. The Republican Party in all but one election yeah. had a Bush, a Dole, or a Nixon yeah. on the ticket. Yeah. And since 1972 until what? Until 2008, until 2008 it had a Bush or a Dole on the ticket. Mhm. Yeah. I mean that's just that's a that's a, that's a lot of the same old same old. And, and I You know the one outlier ticket? Uh, I'm sure you do. Uh, don't tell me. No. I need the Jeopardy music right Yeah, now. wait. A Bush or a Dole from 1972? No, no, no. I meant from the the larger statistic from fifty two to two thousand four. Oh, it the one been, election, yeah, sixty four. That's correct. Yeah, sure. Our good friend Barry Goldwater. Yeah, and Bill Miller. Right. No. So anyway, the criticism was: isn't the party a little bigger than those two names, those two families? And I think if there's one thing about the Democratic Party now that even a lot of independents are saying is it's it's tired. You see that in the Washington Post ABC poll. You saw that in a morning consult poll that just came out this morning. I don't know if you saw it, but voters are losing faith in Joe Biden's Democratic Party is the headline from the morning consult poll. Here's the key takeaway. Voters are now more likely to see the Republican Party is capable of governing, tackling big issues and keeping the country safe compared with the Democratic Party. This is interesting, too. By a nine point margin. Get this. Voters see the Democratic Party as more ideologically extreme than the Republican Party. Everything you thought you knew about politics by listening to Joe Biden in the mainstream media is just not true. You know, that 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 that's one I agree with Mr. Bill on. I do agree with Mr. Bill on this. That is the least good Steve Miller song. I also concur with. Yeah. You. All right. So let let us not trolling, do that again. President would say. Yeah. Let us not air there again. We have a lot of options. We have Swing Town. We have Dance, Dance, Dance. We have we have so many good ones. And 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 by the way, whatever happened to the Silver Bullet Band? What what whatever happened to that music? Seeger and the Bob Seeger and the S- Silver Bullet Band, American Storm, something like that. By the way, what did you make for lunch today? It smelled so dang good. I'm surprised you thought it was so great. It, it was smelled some pungent. Old spaghetti. What was it? it was just some old spaghetti and a sausage and tomato sauce. It wasn't a tomato sauce, was it? There was tomato on there. There was a little bit of ground sausage in there. There was a and tremendous parmesan on top. There was, the parmesan was pungent. Well, that's because it was fresh. It smelled that's delicious. Don't understate how good pasta is. It's like something I dream about. <laughs> 
Pizza and pasta. Seth leaves and dreams of By cars. the way, shout out to a fellow colleague of ours who tried to remain mysterious. We had this cookie book that was lying around the kitchen yesterday, like America's favorite cookies. I think we need to expand expand upon this. This was a great idea I had yeah, yeah. for Gamutlakite in the office. It was a great idea. It was this great American cookie book, America's favorite cookies, easy recipes, wonderful pictures. So I thought it would be a good idea if every day or every week, take your pick, we draw a lottery and whoever you know gets the, the, the short stick or whatever, wins the lottery, however you want to call it, they have to cook, they have to bake one of those cookies for the office for the week or the day. I think week, probably. Probably week. Gives them a week to do it. I yeah. thought it would be a good thing to do. If it was every day, we'd have to take the stairs every day. So I go around well. the office, polling the office, to see who's in and who's out. And do you know what people were telling me? That I got two or three people that said, I don't bake. I don't bake. Like their other half couldn't, their better or lesser half couldn't do it, or they couldn't, you know, Betty Crocker and put it in the oven. Would you have done it? I, I was my idea. Of would course, you have baked? I, of course I would have. And I this, would have cooked, I would have cooked my favorite cookies. Seen. Peanut butter blossom cookies. That's the best cookie there is. But son of a gun, I come, into, the I come into the office today. And there's a tin of cookies on my desk. <laughs> I also saw that, actually. And on the tin, there was a post-it note saying, a post-it note saying I don't bake, but here are your cookies. <laughs> And it was the nicest thing anyone has done in a long time around here. And I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out who it was because too many people said they didn't bake. And you know who it turned out to be? The guy you'd least expect to be doing something like that. The the, the colleague you'd least expect. Craig. Yeah, Craig, colleague Craig. Craig is a great human being. And the reason I'd least expect him to do it is it's, you know, He's a serious guy. He's a, he looks like a like he played football in high school or college. He's tough. He's a great family man. He's got like nine kids, all of whom are huge athletes and also wonderful looking and stuff. A great wife. He's just he's just the last guy you'd think would have time or exercise that kind of good deed on another on an otherwise you know gray or cloudy day. Well, if I recall reading the email correctly, it said consult the cookbook that's in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And when I, the last I checked, that that was not a cookie cookbook in the kitchen. Oh, did they move it? I, I don't know. I saw this cookbook that had about 50 different recipes for fried spam. No, you did not. You're playing with me. Did someone replace you'll it? You'll have to consult Now they're the, just playing with you'll me. You'll have to consult the now kitchen. Now they're just yeah. playing. Anyway, props to Craig. <laughs> and don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge. That's the lesson here. The guy you'd least expect it to be, sometimes that's the guy. I I thought maybe it was, you know, anyway. Okay. Enough on that. The morning consult poll. Thank you, Craig. Props to you. Thank you for making our day a little bit better. And how hard was it, by the way, to do that? Not. Another lesson. Never hard to do a nice little thing. I enjoy cooking, but baking is Hard. Cooking, you can kind of mess with the ingredients, right? Baking, I'm trying to make this about Craig. The millimeter. I'm trying to make this about Craig. Craig's a great guy. Okay. Take it to the bank. Bank. There, yeah. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This morning consult poll is so interesting because it so disrupts the narrative you've all been told. 
that the Republican Party is too extreme, that the Democrats are just fine with Joe Biden. It's not true. And that the Republican Party has become some kind of irresponsible, ungoverning entity, that it's not responsible enough to govern. It's too... Key takeaways. Voters are now more likely to see the Republican Party as capable of governing, tackling big issues, and keeping the country safe compared with the Democratic Party. You know what? Three years of socialism will do that to you. By a nine-point margin, voters also see the Democratic Party as more ideologically extreme than the GOP. You know what? Three years of socialism will show that to you. Another key takeaway. The trends against the Democratic Party are largely driven by worsening perceptions among its own voter base, which suggests that the party will have to rely more than ever on negative partisanship to keep control of the White House. No surprise. And now, by the way, you do understand why they are so negative and so bitter and put us into the category of existential threat to the Constitution, existential threat to the country. That's why they say those things. That's why they say we're the party of Jim Crow. That's why they say we're the party of George Wallace. That's why they say we're the party of extremists. That's why they try and turn MAGA into a pejorative. That's why they say America first is a dog whistle of racism or to racism. Now, it's really the most interesting thing to me is this issue about ideological extremism. The idea that more people see the Democratic Party as too liberal, 47%, than see the Republican Party as too conservative, 38%, by nine points. Nine points. So for all the fulminations Joe Biden is engaged in saying this isn't your grandfather's Republican Party, this isn't your father's Republican Party, when all these talking heads say, uh, the Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are dramatic shifts. This isn't the Republican Party of my father. Baloney. Of course it is. And you know what? You know what? When their father was voting Republican, you know what they were saying? They were saying then that that Republican Party wasn't the Republican Party of their fathers. And you know what they were saying about their fathers, the grandfather generation? When they were Republicans, they are saying this Republican Party, this is what they always say. And people fall for it. Because it's an easy talking point. You know why? Because they don't know their history. That's why. They don't know their history. It's not that hard to go back and look and see what they were saying about Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan and even George W. Bush and, yes, John McCain and, yes, Mitt Romney, who wants to put black people back in chains. Who said that about Mitt Romney, by the way? They say it about every Republican. But today the receipts are in. The Morning Consult is, is, is a liberal-leaning outfit by nine points, the American people see the Democratic Party as more extreme than the Republican Party. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's a keeper. I love that song. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? 
convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history, and thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group, like Sebastian Gorka and I have, because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call the Midas Gold Group today, 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Here we're at 602-508-0960, and Reggie is in Phoenix. Hello, Reggie. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Um I, I just wanted to call to uh, shed some light on that uh, on um, Terry Kirtman's passing yesterday and uh, the association. Uh, first of all, I I, <laughs> I agree that uh, Cherish is a it's like super saccharine and it's the worst and, of them. But it's not the one to it, it's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a guilty pleasure is of it? mine because yeah because when you're when you're, I was 16 when that came out. Yeah. And and when you're 16 and you know you have puppy love in your eyes and stuff like that from a, and you're looking at afar, you know it, it was the perfect song for the time. Although I would agree, it's just like overarranged in some ways, uh, and and um, and just like like I said, saccharine sweet. You know. And I, I have I a hard time. T- you know, Reggie, you sound like a nice guy. <laughs> you sound like a nice guy. But I have a really hard time thinking that if it's 1968 and you've got uh-huh. puppy love, that's the song you have to go to. That would have been a year of great song. Hey Jude was 1968. Yeah, you're telling me that Cherish is better than Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. No, the guys no, in love it, with it, you by Herb not. Alpert is better, and I don't say good things about Herb Alpert. Mrs. Robinson was 1968. <laughs> Come well, on now. You know, and the other thing is... Hello, I Love You by The Doors? Young Girl by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap? There you go. Get out of my life. Yeah. Uh, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a personal connection, though. Um, uh, his mother, Terry Kirkman, his mother taught uh, for the Unified School District of my hometown, Chino, California. Oh, no kidding. And, uh, yeah. And my brother. <laughs> I know Chino, California. <laughs> I know Chino. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, do. sm- it didn't cool. smell well, good when I was there. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know that's that's that's, yeah. Yeah. that's, a, that's yeah. a fragrance I miss. Yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, um, yeah. My brother had a, a music class with his mother. No kidding. And uh, Terry. Uh, yeah. And, and Terry, uh, I guess, spent most of his youth there in Chino and attended Chino schools. And then I later found out. That he uh, he retired many many years after, of course, and worked as a drug counselor in Monk and and yes, Monk, I Claire, did California. see that. And you know what? I love it when musicians do that. I do, and there's a whole bunch of them. Paul Williams does that these days, right? Uh, Dion Demucci does that. I love it when they yeah. do that. Yeah, that and deserves Paul, some credit. You're right to point that out. And last but not least. The bass player on that on that initial album was yeah. Jerry Sheff, who was a longtime Elvis bass player. Oh, is that right? It was Jerry Sheff. Oh, not good, K-O-K. good. You know what, Reggie? You turned it around. You turned it around. <laughs> you started off low and you ended high. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I no, did. No, that's the good. Good on you. Good. Have you seen yeah, the man. Wrecking Crew? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen I've got a copy of it oh, here. Oh, my yeah. gosh. What a great... You call, stay close. You know, you charmed me, buddy. You charmed me. Yeah, yeah. Good work. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the Wrecking Crew was great. You it took was us great. through I, the Aristotelian I, range of emotions with this call. I, I actually had a chance to uh, attend a seminar with... Uh, a guitar seminar in L.A. with Tommy Tedesco. Oh, did you? And he talked about, oh, wow. and he talked about all that stuff oh. and how he got through all of those sessions oh. and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I got to take a I break, man. Fantastic. You're great. Call again. You took us through the range. I loved it. Good work. I, I, I absolutely will. Thank okay, you very brother. much. Be well. This is really interesting. You know our friend Dr. Owen Anderson over at ASU? He... um. So interesting. He just uh, twixt out. I learned in my college faculty meeting today that 72% of our students are women. They should hire experts to figure out why men don't want to attend the contemporary secular university. By their own standards, equity demands that if the student body is not representative of the community, there is an injustice somewhere. Um, Another professor wrote at his university, enrollment is 85% female. Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I believe there are more women in college yes. than men in America yeah. right now. Well, then, oh, yes, this is national, and the graduation rate is something like 60-42, if I'm not mistaken, last time I looked. Um, so there's a couple questions to be asked. Uh the first time I, I started noticing this, by the way, was about – I didn't know I was going to talk about this. Let me think. The first time I started noticing this was about 20 years ago, and there were a few books coming out, What's the Matter with the Men, like along those titles. Kathleen Parker had a book called Save the Males. Uh, there were some other great writers. I think Christina Hoff Summers wrote a landmark book around that time, too, on on, on a similar topic, and a few others were. And it's interesting the way Owen puts it, though. Owen doesn't see this as a male problem. He almost sees it a little bit as um, as a salute to men for not wanting to spend time in the contemporary secular university. Now, my views have changed over the last 20 years. We have gone on a generation-long campaign to kick men in the teeth you know, toxic masculinity, that phrase started becoming popular about 20 years ago. You surprised men wanted to become women when you start teaching them how toxic manhood is or male virtue or being a boy is? Is that a surprise that men wanted to become women? Um, Boys wanted to become girls? No. You get what you pay for, right? You get what you argue for. And so the question was what, you know, we we empowered women tremendously and needed to. What did we what was the catchphrase? You go girl, they went. They rolled up their sleeves and got to work and there was the year of the woman with the elections of what year would that have been? 1992 I think it was. And then we started seeing these college statistics. Now Owen is saying this is a tribute to men for not wanting to engage in four or five years of secular Marxist indoctrination. I hope he's right. I'm not sure he is. I hope he is. I hope that the people are starting 
to see it that way. But the question then becomes, what kind of women are we making if we're putting them through those grinders? Not most women will come out like Riley Gaines, you know? Not most will. Not most. And I've had to rethink dramatically whether it's a good idea to go to college. Is college worth it? Mostly the answer to me is no, because of what people have done to the colleges, including hiring committees, including faculty, including boards of trustees, including boards of regents. And by the way, I don't think the average four-year college graduation rate is four years anymore. You double-check me on this, but I bet it's five and a half years. I bet it's not close to four years anymore as an average. Now, if people are working and taking their time to you know, help pay for it by having a job and don't take a full load, I, I salute that. It's not that, though, and you know it's not that. It's recreation camp is what it is. And like all summer camps, a heavy dollop of Marxist Maoism. That's, that's Tevi Troy. You know my friend Tevi Troy? He's coming to Townville. He's going to spend a, time, a day in the studio with us. We'll do three hours with Tevi Troy. He's coming in town for a debate. But, <clears throat> yeah, he's one of our favorites. But he, um, he says he hated summer camp because it's, he likes freedom. That's what are you looking at? You looked something up. You must have something to share with us, David. Um, Unless think, you go to Hillsdale <laughs> or some college like that, of which there aren't that many. I just don't. Or unless you go to a good, serious school to learn something that's going to be worthwhile. You know, an engineering or a Colorado School of Mines or a Cal Poly or, or Colorado School of Mines, something like that. Unless you do that, I just. Why would you spend $90,000 to learn Marxism for? Five and a half years. Oh, well, you know, not everyone's in political science. Doesn't matter. The stuff suffuses all of the humanities. And the engineering or science or hard science classes are, if they're apolitical, all the other politics ain't. It's Marxist. What were you saying, David? I interrupted you. No, I was just looking at uh, some federal statistics that were last collected in 2020. So they are three years old. Um, but in 2020, the overall six-year graduation rate for the first time— Six-year graduation rate? For the first time. Six-year graduation rate. <laughs> I'm scaring you, aren't I? I? I was saying it's not five. It's five and a half. You're telling me it's a six-year graduation rate. So by 2020, some 64% of students had completed a bachelor degree at the same institution where they started, which would have been in fall 2014 for those graduating in 2020, meaning that— of students, according to the last time they conducted these federal statistics, graduate within six years. Six years. We are to assume that the other remaining. Well, that's actually probably a pretty close. It's probably a pretty close number because that would have been 2020 would have been the last year before COVID interrupted Mm -hmm. everything. So everything's going to have to reset. I'm sure these are also related to the census and other such things. Six years. Wonderful. We'll be right back. Um, We won't be right back. How much time do I have in this? I've got a minute and 50 seconds left, Seth. Oh, my bad. Unless you're giving it all to me. (laughs) Okay, my bad. Well, my point, my larger point, though, is, but Owen Owen may be right. I have a a friend of mine um, who teaches at law school, and he just just texted me, um, there are three out of 15 who are men in his class. Three out of 15 are men. 
Um, I don't worry about his class, by the way. He's teaching them the law. I know this guy. He's teaching them the law the way they should learn it. He's not deconstructing it. You take his class, you actually learn the law. You actually learn something of value, and you learn of it from the right perspective. The right perspective? What's the right perspective in law? Justice. Justice. The question Plato was consumed with, what is justice? The question they have perverted at most law schools and most undergraduates that talk about justice to call it social justice. You add a qualifier to justice, it's qualifying justice. It's not justice. And to the degree you do that, so much lesser are we teaching our kids. Now we'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by our dear friends at Y-Refi. It's a great company, and they're based here locally. You can go visit with them, uh, kick their tires, uh, hear what they have to say about the investment opportunity they offer. They won't ask you to sign anything, and, of course, there's uh, you won't even get a sales pitch. They leave that to me, but they'll tell you about what they do, and if you play trumpet, they'll offer you. They've got a few there. They'll offer you to honk on on their horns. What they do have, though, is uh, just one of the things I get some of my best feedback on with all of our sponsors. It's an investment in a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate, up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. 10.25% fixed rate of return. And it's in a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, should you be worried about stock market volatil- uh, volatility or should you be worried about possible recession or inflation. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and there's no penalty if you need your money back at any time, and there are no fees. Visit them if you want in person, Scottsdale Road 101, or check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Did you have more for us, David, or are you all good more i was just wondering if uh if men are not going to college at the same rates as women and it's drastically different are the men entering the workforce no they're not entering the police academy and they're not entering the military they are entering uh their parents uh and friends basements and they're spending their time on screens and with painkillers that's what they're doing look at the work by nick eberstadt on this if you added, um, if you added uh, working a- eligible working age males, so roughly ages twenty five to fifty four, um, you have not seen a population uh, this high not working uh, by their own the choice. The welfare state prevails. Well, yeah, yeah, the welfare state, the entertainment and amusement state, and the drug state prevails. Yeah, it really does. Um, they're watching videos of Britney Spears doing what Britney Spears is doing today. Do you see the video she put out? It's, it's I'm not very hip. It's on pop psycho. Culture. It's psycho. She's doing a weird macabre dance with knives, and it's just weird. It's weird. Matt Walsh says, "Remember when I told you this woman is a psycho and should never have been released from her conservatorship?" Oh, it's just you know, and people, you know, the you are a role model. You are going to be emulated. Um, it's too bad when we have adults who uh, are still children. It's too bad when we have arrested development. It's too bad when we have children in adult bodies. Matt Walsh is doing Dancing with the Stars. That's not a good idea. 
That's not a good – he should not be diminishing himself. It's not cool and it's not hip for him to be – he'll ruin his currency by that. I, I, you know, someone needed to tell him that too. Okay, be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 